everywhere I go, I see his face. I just really miss him. Yeah, I miss him too. I don't think Tony would have done what he did if he didn't know that you were going to be here after he was gone. You going to be the next Iron Man now? Well, no, I don't have time. I'm too busy doing your jobs. Oh. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Look, keep up the good work because I am going on vacation. It's the Boring Rojas Podcast, episode 94. I'm Nick Rojas, but to my left right now, Mike DeMars. Mike, welcome to the show. Uh, pleasure to finally be here, Nick. That's right, and more importantly, here before Dave Hughes is. I think that's, uh, I think really that's the race you were up against. pretty much all I've been hoping for in my life. Exactly. Well, let's get to it right away. We have no time to waste today, Mike. What did we just see? Uh, we just saw Spider-Man Far From Home. Yes. In IMAX, and... I thought it was an amazing movie. It really was an amazing movie. Uh, that, every time you go into these Marvel movies, you're like, all right, how are they going to continue the streak of really solid movies? I think they may have, eh, you know, say what you want about Captain Marvel, but for the most part, they seem to deliver, and then some, and this movie really did. I, I'm going to say this. Might, this might be a hot take. I'm not trying to make a hot take. Okay. But I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, I'm enjoying this more than Endgame. Uh, yeah. You know, I think Endgame had so much nostalgia to it, but it's like a fun movie. Even if you came in cold to this movie without seeing much of before, much Marvel, I think that this movie had a lot of interesting parts, had a lot of comedy. I think it was just a good movie altogether. I think, yeah. like I said, I think that, you know, the making of a good movie is, you know, especially in, you know, where this is Marvel movie 374, that you can come in cold and still enjoy it without having to know everything about the Marvel Universe. They really do a good job of letting you come into these movies, like you said, and, and not making you feel like an idiot for missing the previous movies, but simultaneously rewarding you if you have seen the previous movies, which is such like a delicate line to toe. And they really do a good job of that. And I don't want to compare them to other movie franchises, but sometimes movie franchises kind of don't do a good job of that. This one really does. I mean, my sister is a perfect test case for it. She's, she's hit or miss with some of the Marvel movies. She's seen the Spider-Man movies. She saw Endgame. She saw Endgame, I think, after she saw... <laughs> she saw Endgame before she saw Infinity War. So, but uh, but these Spider-Man movies she loves, and it's because the Marvel movies are really not a superhero movie first for the most part. They're a blank movie first that just so happens to be in a Marvel movie. This one's kind of a high school... Like the other previous one, Homecoming, it's a high school movie wrapped in a Marvel movie. And, and they did a great job with their the cast. The cast was great. And I thought, you know, Zendaya, who, who played MJ, I thought they did a really great job of not making her, like, the beauty queen, pretty girl MJ, which is, in the past, sometimes that's how they've portrayed her in the movies. Mm-hmm. I feel like playing, like, downplaying her a little bit so that the, the nerdy, quirky kid has a shot with her and that she might actually like the nerdy, quirky kid back. I think it made it a little bit more real. Also, I think that they they added more depth to the MJ character and probably what you've seen, not, Peter, I'm mad because you missed my play. You know, like, that's the normal right. background story type of thing. She has quirky interests. She, yeah. She likes murder yeah. stuff, which yeah, is... a little weird, a little dark. Yeah. Kind of reminds like, me of my sister, honestly. She's the same way. She loves murder stuff. She loves all that kind of stuff. But I felt like it gave depth to that MJ character, which I don't think, you know, in a... I don't know, is she a secondary, maybe even tertiary character that, you know, you don't usually get. Right. You She's... And, you know, this franchise remains to be seen where it goes on, but I feel like in the comic books and in the previous movies, in, you know, the Tobey Maguire movies specifically, 
she's used as a plot device as like a damsel in distress. And now that we live in obviously a little bit more advanced and, and modern times, like it's nice that they're not sent to the background. They can actually be helping advance the plot and help the main character and, you know, have their own personalities, like you said. And it's really something I think it really represents, you know, I saw a presentation on centennials and this new uh, generation that's ages. I think the oldest ones are like 20. Uh, and th- they are a little bit more about who you are as a person and not so much the looks and everything like that. And these movies really nail it. I mean, look at that, the whole school cast of characters. They're all, like, unique people, and they're not, like, bland people at all. Um, they, uh, like they're, the, they're a lot of fun. One of the best casting I think, choices, I think, was uh, J.B. Smoove. Oh, I didn't know he was in this movie. Getting involved. Wish they give him a little bit more. I know, just a little bit more, because he's such a hilarious guy. He's so funny, and I wish they just gave him just a little bit more leash on some stuff. Here's something that you'll never hear anybody said: there was too much JB Smooth. Never. No one has ever said there's too much no. JB Smooth in anything. No, he's amazing in everything he does. And guess what? He's JB Smooth in everything, and that's fine. Right? I want more. I want more. You don't get Smoove. sick of it. And no. I, that's, the, that's the one thing. Like, I wish they had a little bit more of him. Right? Because um, he was quir- he was quirky. He was funny. He's yeah, in witchcraft. That's <laughs> so bizarre. Witchcraft. Science teacher that's in witchcraft. He's great. Uh, not to give too much away. And we're not going to give away spoilers in this because, uh, Mike, that's not what we do here on this podcast. We don't give too much spoilers. But uh, let's, we haven't, we've gotten this far into the podcast. We haven't even talked about the plot at no. all. So let's give a, a brief synopsis. And Boyle and Mark will be later in this podcast. And if they already give it, forgive me. We'll go quickly. Peter Parker and his class. This is after, they, after the events of Endgame. After the, yep, the blip. Yep, the blip, which they call it, which they do a really good job of doing all that, um, I'm blanking on the word here, the, you know, what's the setting for the story, and they give all the, uh... What's the backstory? Yeah, backstory, all that stuff. Uh, there's a fancy word for it, whatever, you guys know what I'm saying. And they give all that out, and it's just Peter Parker, he's dealing with the loss of Iron Man, you know, spoiler alert, if you're the one person who hasn't seen Endgame, and he goes on vacation in Europe, all of a sudden some funky things happen, he runs into Mysterio... If you know from the comic books and all that stuff, Mysterio, bad guy in this movie, he's actually seems to be helping everybody. Doing some good in the world. Yeah, and you're like, all right, like I know these Marvel movies do a little bit different, and I'll, I'll just leave it at that. But uh, what do you think of Jake Gyllenhaal as this? Because when they announced the casting for it, everyone's like, really? Like Jake Gyllenhaal is going to go back to video games and movies after he did Prince of Persia, and that did poorly? Yeah. And he's doing a Spider-Man movie, but you're like, all right, we trust Marvel movies. I thought he was pretty good. He was pretty good. Um, not to spoil anything. Liked him later rather than earlier in the movie. Right. And I think that was on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I thought he did a great job. I think there's – I was a little nervous too seeing right. seeing him um, in this role as a superhero. Because he, he seems to be playing like a sanitized version of Jake Gyllenhaal in the first act of this movie. And you're kind of like – I haven't seen Jake Gyllenhaal act like this in a movie where he's like happy and come on here, sport. and Like he's normal. Yeah. And in the past – I think this decade of Jake Gyllenhaal – since, like, eh, I didn't see Love and Other Drugs, but you think of, like, Nightcrawler and some of the other movies he's done recently, he has played way out there. And I've never seen Dying Darko. So, I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen it and can speak to that. But you know he's capable of, like, unhinged performances. Yeah, with, he was playing it super, like, super on the line, super straight early on in the movie. Yeah. And, uh, like I said, I liked his performance as it went on. Right. You know, as the movie went on. And um, I think I think that's what makes Joan Hall, Jake Gyllenhaal, such a great person to cast as this role, because you're you're like he seems really nice, 
But I know, like, in the back of my mind, it's hard not to separate him from his other characters he's done. Mm -hmm. it, I was like, I know he's untapped somewhere. And I don't want to give anything away, but it, it was really cool. That, and uh, and to, be, to be honest, they're running out of people that to fill, you know, yeah, fill for, a new, for a new role in a Marvel movie, like, <laughs> name anybody. who hasn't been in it. You yeah, know? name any actor. And uh, I think uh, Chris Pine. There you go. Yeah. There's one actor who hasn't been in a no. movie. I can't wait for the, for, uh, well, I think The Rock's going to be in the DC movies because he's going to be, uh, He's gonna be that uh, giant or Adam or something. He's 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 Black Adam. That's what he is. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's like think a character in the. Uh, I don't know. He's in one of those. I think he's in Shazam's world. I'm not sure. Whatever. He's gonna be in there eventually. But uh, man, I can't say enough good things about this movie. Um, I one more thing before we get to our, our ratings for it and everything like that. I want to say like. The camera work in this movie was really cool, like how they give the perspective of, you know, stuff from certain flying angles and everything yeah, like that. Yeah, so, so the first-person view type of yeah. uh, angles that they were doing, uh, a lot of aerial stuff, which I thought was, yeah. was very unique. And you, it, they didn't—they put it in there a few times. I don't think they overused it, which I think when you get a new shiny toy, yeah, you tend to overuse it. and Overnight. I know I do, but— uh, or you like an effect or something like that, yeah. you tend to overuse it like I do. Yeah. But You can um, tell we're video guys here. Uh, <laughs> but I think they use it just enough mm. to give you that taste. And you're like, oh, I want to see it again. Like, oh, wait, 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 let's see that again. Yeah. And then, then and it they pops don't do it again. Like, oh, oh, yeah, there, right. There. Yeah. And it gives you just enough, just wanting more, which, you know, is the, the tried and true, leave them wanting more. So. I think there is a sequence in this movie from a visual standpoint that's the most visually appealing uh, thing I've seen in a Marvel movie since Doctor Strange, just in terms of the transitions of effects, and I don't, I don't want to give anything away, but I think you know that scene I'm talking about early mm -hmm. uh, yeah, middle of the movie. I mean, how cool is that? My jaw was open for. I was like, whoa! Like I kept looking around, like this is unreal. And they do it a little bit again later, and uh, they have some pretty, pretty darn good fight scenes in this movie. Yes, some yeah. of my some of my favorites. I, you know what though? And I, I don't. I don't know why this is because I've been very far removed from high school. Right. But the high school move, the high school kids, like actions and conversations and the narrative of the high school kids on the trip. I don't know why. I really enjoyed that part of it. I don't know yeah. why. Like, because you've seen a million times. Like, there's been, a, I feel like there's been a million movies where it's like, oh, summer break. We're going to Europe. Yeah. You know, we're going to yeah. get crazy. You know? Yeah. Oh my God. Let me take this picture. Let me do this, that, that. And then they limit that to one character. Right. Of being the annoying social media one, right. which frees up the other ones to have more of a personality. And that's a great point because middle of the movie, I was like, man, I really like this like high school stuff. Like, it's really fun. And it's not played for high school for laughs. It's more of high school for an appreciation of where you're at in that time in right. life, which is really cool. It, that's a great point, Mike, because like that high school angle, if like you're afraid of like, ah, you know, not for me, Spider-Man. He's too young, like anything like that. You'll enjoy it because I feel like the themes are universal. Yeah. Th this and Love, Simon, and like a few other high school movies, uh, Booksmart, they've done a good job lately of not making it so that social media and modern technology have kind of m shifted how we think about teenagers. They keep the teenagers the same. Uh, everybody in this movie I thought was a lot of fun. And the, the jokes are great, too. And, uh, of course, we got you got to stay for the credits. Where do you? Gotta stay for the credits. Yeah. Where do you? I mean, the way it ended, we're not going to give away the mid-credit spoiler here, but whoa, right? Yeah. Um, what the heck? Now, the there was something that you know foreshadowed something happening. You know, you you see like 
eh, there's something that happened and then there's something else going to happen, but is it going to be in this movie or is it going to be safe or something else? And then all of a sudden, you know, you have this cheery moment and then yeah. all of a sudden you just get whacked in the face with something. You do. Which um, isn't out of the realm for Marvel to do because I kind of think that's kind of like, especially in the Spider-Man world of things, I think that's kind of... Uh, par for the course. Yeah, they have some twists that really hit you. But I feel like it comes out of no. It kind of no, it comes out of nowhere and hits you really hard. Yeah, and you're leaving the theater like, okay, where yeah. are we, we're supposed to go now. And they're so good at it. Why are they so good at it? They, so they suck it. you back into the next one before you even leave the theater. Before it, you're like, you think about it. There was still another end credit scene, and in the middle of the credits, we're like, man, now yeah. I got to see the next movie. Right. It is. Uh, it's. But you know what though? Like I and, and my brother, I'm glad he's kind of like this too. I, I'm not, this will be the last point, I'm not one of those people that's like, you know, like these Disney overlords, all they want to do is just take your money and make you go see it. No, they are actually delivering content that content that I actually enjoy and want to see and look forward to, and I don't think it's such a bad thing. I mean, coming off of the Avengers push and everything like that, they could have mailed in this game and it still would have done well yeah. at the box office. And they, right. I don't think they did. I, I Like I said, I honestly, as a standalone movie... Really like this movie, you know, as an enjoyable movie, it was more, well, Endgame isn't like an enjoyable movie, no, I, I guess you could say. But, I know, yeah. But this back. is an enjoyable movie, especially like a summer, you know, end of uh, mid or yeah. June, July release time. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Because I, I, they're on summer vacation. It's like a built-in like summer movie. Like you're in that state of mind. It, this goes back to your beginning point, this versus Endgame. Obviously, it's like two kind of different movies. This is a much smaller movie. But in a ways, it is a little bit more enjoyable than Endgame because you know... The stakes are a little bit reduced. There's not that many characters. It's a little bit more of a narrow movie, and it's two hours. It's fun. It's enjoyable. You get in. You get out. Man, I think we got to rate this now. Um, I'll give my sister and brother's ratings after, but what do you— And Tony Stark's name might be mentioned more than Spider-Man's Yeah, in this movie. movie. (laughs) Which I wanted to add this. I think I'm going to—like, this will be in my tweet review. I think in the actual real world that we're in now, we need more Iron Man murals up in the world, like tributes— they're all throughout the movie. There, and was, was, like, there was a mural list listed in the credits. We can try to contact them, get you some more oh, information. Yeah, they had a mural list listed in the, yeah, in, the yeah. in the end credits. Yeah, actually, in Friartown, we could actually use a mural. Yeah, a mural, mural would be pretty, nice. Murals are nice. I saw they are all throughout the movie. Like Tony Stark's presence is throughout this movie. I was like, I wouldn't mind having an Iron Man mural just like in my everyday life, like walking by in Providence, like right, bunch of candles around Iron Man. Like, yeah, that's awesome. That's pretty cool. Uh, so, Mike, give you a little background on this podcast and reset this for the audience. We rate our movies on one to ten kernels, popcorn kernels, okay. on the Fisher scale. My buddy Dan Fisher was one okay. of our earliest guests on the podcast. So uh, one being a terrible movie like okay. uh, Blair Witch Project 2, which Boyle saw okay. in theaters. Okay. And a ten he being... paid money for. Okay. Yes, he paid... Uh, that might have been a movie pass movie back okay. in movie pass. Right, right. I, I hope to God he didn't pay for that. And a ten uh, being... Um, well, for Boyle, he gives uh, Endgame a ten. Um, but, okay. yeah. But... You know, uh, for me, a 10 would be, uh, if we're going to keep it superhero movie related, The Dark Knight is a 10. Um, okay. So where does this movie fall on a so, 1 to 10? So for me, you know, and I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, I'm an old school barstool guy too. So That's right. I got to keep it real and I got to keep it towards El Prez's of uh, uh, ratings. Can't be, it has to be, I'm going to have to give a decimal just because I can't <laughs> be a rookie about this. That's fine. Even though it's a, I'm a rookie on the scoring. I'm going to go 9.1. <laughs> okay. This would be the stamp of the pizza. Nine point one. Uh, all right, Nikki. Uh, <laughs> Nine point one. I think that you know 
I hate to give it. A, I, I, I didn't want to give it a ten. I wouldn't give it a ten anyways. Right. Because I do believe in that you're always going to see something, see something that better. matches it or whatever. Or For me, a, t- a ten movie has to make me either cry or have a feeling in my chest that, like, oh man, I've never experienced anything like that. But it, I think, I think, I think my nine one. I think that's like a movie like I'd go see that again. I'd go oh, pay yeah. and see that again, and oh, I'd yeah. watch it if it comes on. Whatever, I'd watch it again. It has rewatchability. It's a fun movie, like I said. Yeah, I think I'll stay. I'll stand by my nine one. And that's a great thing you added too, because uh, we always like to say, "Do you go see this in movies? Do you wait till cheap Tuesday night? Do you wait till it gets to streaming? You know, do you skip it altogether?" And uh, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. See this on the biggest screen as possible. Um, see it in the theaters. I highly recommend it. Um, definitely go check this out. Um, to the people with young kids in this movie, might be a little loud for them. Might be a little scary with the uh, elementals in it. Like I have to add a parent guide every now and then yeah, because the yeah. Marvel movies, Chris Judge, he likes to bring his kids. Yeah. So when Chris listens to this in three months, uh, when he finally gets around to this episode, he'll know. Yeah, if they're scared of elements, definitely. Yeah, those are. I can imagine me being like five and being terrified, but Caleb's getting older. He might be able to handle it. Anyway, so for my rating, one to ten, man, I was like thinking like two-thirds of the way through this movie. And just in my brain, like always a number appears, and Boyle talks about this too. Uh, uh, for me, that number was like eight, but the way it ended and everything, man, I, I push it more towards a nine. So I gotta, th- I gotta sit on this one for a few days. But man, I, like, I think this one might be a, a nine out of ten. Like it was just spectacular. Like I mean, it's one of those things where, like, when you look back at it, like, what more do you want? You know, right. Maybe, it, I mean, there's a couple like, if if you want to get super picky, there are some couple little cheesy things mm-hmm. that happen, some throwaway lines and stuff like that here and there, but. Yeah, I don't think it detracted from the movie. It's not yeah. just like you just kind of get like, meh, all right, and move yeah. on. You move on because the next thing detract. Is, yeah. yeah, there. I mean, man, I don't want to keep talking about this movie, but there's something that happens in the middle of this movie that you're like, you're just like, what the? Uh, we're we're doing a completely different movie now because something happens where you're just like, all right, like, forty minutes of this movie has happened. Like, what are we supposed to do now? And then something happens. You're like, whoa, we have never seen anything like that. So originality was through the roof in this movie. I thought. I mean, if this is one from one of the graphic novels. And I'm sure it is, so be it. Uh, obviously, it's a lot of characters. And it will test your geography of Europe a little bit as well. It is. You'll be, like, thinking, like, yeah, Italy you'll be jumping around to there. Okay. How, far can you, how fast can you web-sling from here, here to there? Yeah. And, like, is Berlin, you know, does the train yeah. look like that? Yeah. Uh, Maddie and Austin. Maddie, give it a strong eight. She said it was funny. I know she loves the awkward quirkiness because that's kind of fits in her personality. She loves that kind of stuff. Maddie's very close to the age of these characters. Maddie's turning 21 at the end of this month. She still kind of got a little bit of that with her. Um, she loves that kind of quirky stuff. She loves Spider-Man. She thinks he's awesome. She loves that awkward humor. She gave it an 8 out of 10. Austin, he gave it a 10 out of 10 because he, he's of the mind. Is like he, he loved it from a CGI and visual effects standpoint to the humor to the little references that he was hearing throughout the movie. He's fully immersed himself in this world of Marvel movies. He gave it a 10 out of 10. I'm like, whoa, all right, man. Hey, you want to go down that route 10? I, I, I can't really fault him for that because I'm only a point off. Um, but he, he loved it, 10 out of 10. And, um, yeah, so that's that. We got one more movie to talk about, man. We do. All right, so back at Christmas, Mike was very nice to give me a nice Christmas present. A Time to Kill, a movie from 1994, 95? Yeah, mid-90s. Mid-90s. Time is relevant because the movie is timeless. True. And, uh... It took me several plane rides <laughs> to see it. Several months. <laughs> several months. I finished it at the end of June. So six full months later, I finally finished it. It's a Time to Kill based on a John Grisham book starring Matthew McConaughey, Sandra Bullock, uh, Kiefer Sutherland, Donald Sutherland. Oh, Samuel, uh, Samuel Jackson. Jackson. Oh, hey, Nick Fury. Yeah. Um, 
just a whole great cast of people based off John Grisham movie where uh, two people uh, commit a crime on this little girl. The father seeks revenge and kills these two guys. Now, boom, that's your movie. It's black versus white in the South. Lawyers, neighborhoods, dirty cops, rednecks, other people, young young Yankees from the North who are trying to come down and be lawyers. Uh, hot. Those are the sweaty, sweaty, sweaty movie. movie. Mike, before I get into my thoughts about the movie, mm-hmm. based off your memory, what are your thoughts about this movie, A Time to Kill? Now, this is, a, this is you know, like I said, I'm a little bit older. So yeah. um, going when I was going away to college, um, pre-DVD <clears throat> player days, <laughs> um, I had four, four VHS tapes. Okay. Time to Kill is one of them. Wow. So that, That's this a- is before, well, that was pre-DVD player. So pre-Netflix. Yes. pre Anything on demand, yep. pre everything. Yeah. So what I was bringing to college was important. VHS tapes, VHS tapes were important. They were bulky because they're bulky. Yeah. Yeah. You only had so much room. Yeah. And that's what you were gonna watch, and you had watched over and over and over and over again. Yep. So that was very important. But that was one of my four VHS tapes I brought to college. Um, yeah. The stars, the amount of star power in the movie um, was huge. Uh, John Christian movies were huge back then as well. Um, and I think he has some great performances out of a lot of different people that are, you know, major major stars today. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So a 24-year-old movie at least. And yeah. Yeah. I, the cast is all still big stars. Great performances. Um, just everything about the movie. It just, it just, it hits you hard. Um, you know, obviously I didn't grow up in Mississippi. Um, I'm white. So, uh, but I thought it was a very powerful movie and it opened my eyes to how different people were treated differently in different places, even, even in America. Mm -hmm. Because growing up, like I said, you know, a white guy in Massachusetts, I really didn't feel much discrimination. Right. Actually, no discrimination being a white guy in Massachusetts. So, you know, learning about, that was one of the first times I learned about like really discrimination happening. Just because of how someone looked different than others. Yeah. And not to cut you off, but we should mention that the movie is not one of those movies that takes place in the past. It's taking no, place. It's, it's a current it's a current day yeah. you know, setting. It's probably you know, came out in the mid nineties, it's probably like early nineties. So it's it's within right. the current current time of the movie coming out probably. Right, which makes it arguably hit harder because it's not one of those things where it's like, all right, well that was then Yeah, it was sixty years ago. Yeah, yeah the times have changed, changed. But Yeah. This movie makes you feel like, no, you should you know, some of the stuff is still happening. Yeah, it was that. And then, you know, I don't want to talk about another movie, but American History X as well. Yeah. There's another movie seen. that is amazing and really opens your eyes on a lot of a lot of subjects. Um, you know, like I said, for me, especially being a teenager at that time, seeing those movies probably a little earlier than I should have. Right. Um, but but um, you got to see the good stuff when the you ratings can, though, might have yeah. been a little bit <laughs> higher than my age level at that time when I saw them the first time. But. Um, they had a big impact, I think, on on just opening my eyes on seeing stuff outside of your own world. Which, once again, I'll say this: mid nineties, we're talking pre-internet. You know, we didn't have everything at our fingertips. We couldn't, you know, we didn't know what was really going on in the rest of the world unless you saw something on the news or in a newspaper or a magazine. Yeah, and there were it wasn't the 
news cycle was until probably what after OJ we get to more of the twenty four hour OJ news cycle? started the twenty four hour news cycle, yeah. yeah. Pretty much the birth of it. Yeah. Um but I hate being the crusty old guy on this show. No, 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 no. <laughs> Tr- trust me. Um But my, Time to Kill, great gonna, movie. Great movie. I'm not gonna throw my dad under the bus, but he is gonna be the he's the oldest guest on the show. Uh shout Oof, out to you, God. Yeah, no. Uh now you did what is a very professional radio thing of you to do. You gave a tease. You said that A Time to Kill was one of the four VHS tapes oh, you brought boy. with you. Can you remember those other three? Uh, I'm, I'm curious right now. And to give you a little bit of time, though, uh, you know, it, that is also something I had to deal, not deal with. I mean, it's all we knew, is the VHSs you had, those are movies you were going to watch over again, especially at my age when, when we had VHS tapes because uh, you know, we didn't have like a bunch of channels uh, on TV to be able to watch movies. So, man, I was watching the same VHS tapes over and over and over and over again, like well before the DVDs. And even when DVDs came out, my parents were like, you know, this technology is way too advanced for you guys. Like, you're going to break it. So you guys get the VHSs, and when you want to watch a DVD, you got to talk to us, which is funny to think about because that lasted six weeks before that rule got broken. But uh, um, I'm blanking on my yeah. other three now. I want to say one was – I want to say one was – trying to think of the front of the cover right now. I'm trying to think. You? I'm looking at the picture. But yeah, I think one was Jerry Maguire. Yeah. Do you think they were all 90s movies? They were definitely probably all 90s movies. Any yeah. sports movies in there? Like a Rudy? There might have been. It wasn't a Rudy. There might have been one. Well, Jerry Maguire's kind of a sports movie. That's true. Um, I'll have to keep thinking. I can't. I I'm mean, totally blanking. Jerry Maguire, great cameo from Drew Bledsoe in that movie. <laughs> Two seconds. <laughs> he's on the phone. I remember. I think that might have been like the, uh, besides the Super Bowl, that might have been the highlight of the 90s for the Patriots. Possibly. Very possible. Being, um, well, so I'll talk a little bit about Time to Kill, and we'll see if you remember. Don't, you know, yeah. I don't want to pressure you too much on it. Um, but Time to Kill, now the way I watched it was very different for a movie, but I still thought it was awesome nonetheless. Just a fantastic cast. Like, and we talked about this before too. If there was ever a movie that made you feel what they were feeling while you were watching it, it's that one. I felt the whole time while I was watching it hot, sweaty, just like slow, like frustrated throughout the whole movie. I was feeling it. The way I watched it too, it felt like a, a miniseries, honestly, because there's just so much going on in this two and a half hour movie and so many different characters and a few plot lines going on throughout the movie that almost lends itself to it could have been like an eight episode like or six episode HBO miniseries and it would be fantastic. And the way TV shows are made now, they probably would have those actors in it. And um, I thought it was amazing. I really now I haven't seen as many John Grisham movies as everybody else. I think that goes without saying. The 90s are kind of like a, mo- a period of time where I have not seen a lot of movies. We talk about this a lot, Mike. Mm-hmm. But, man, you can see why his movies are so good. Is they are just so compelling. And the stories are so good. And it's, it's amazing how he can take something so realistic and make it so dramatic. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I give it a, a very strong 8 out of 10, that movie. It was, you know, something else. It was really powerful stuff. Yeah, from for my ranking, I'm gonna go nine five. Nine nine point five. Um just because like I said, rewatchability. Mm-hmm. The 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 cast is tremendous. If you're a fan of any of those people we met, you know, Matthew McConaughey, um, Sandra Bullock, uh Samuel L. Jackson, any of the Sutherlands. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> any of those if you're a fan of any of those people, yeah. it's a, they they turn in great performances. Um Jake Brigantz. And uh, yeah, Jake Brigantz does a great job as a, as yeah. a lawyer for for uh, Carly Haley. Carly, Carly, oh, and man. Uh, 
They do such a great job of, br- of branding their names in that movie because they just <laughs> repeat them over and over again. Yeah. But Brigantz, I mean, a young Matthew McConaughey in that movie, man, he just seems so plucky and so full of, like, the world hasn't beaten him down yet. And I hope that of. was, like, because the amount of sweat going on, I hope that was, like, the pre-he gave up deodorant days. Yes. Like, hopefully, like, he was still wearing deodorant at that point because that was, like we said, it's a sweaty movie. That is a sweaty movie. And just knowing how McConaughey is now, he definitely, to get into character, would not have showered if he were to do that movie now. I think that's part of, like, the grime. Like, there's a little bit of a griminess to the movie that I think, yeah. like, the sweatiness, griminess comes comes through. And I don't know how much they meant for it to be like that, but I think they shot it. pretty sure they shot it in the South. So I don't know if that played a factor into, you know, the humidity, heat and humidity playing a factor into it, but yeah. it could have. Yeah, it could have. And, I mean, one more thing, too. This movie, unapologetic. There are things that happen that you don't want to happen. Yeah, happen. Uh, uh, Chris Judge, do not bring your kids to see this you movie. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is not a child's no, movie. This is not one put on for the kids and go no. do uh, dishes in the other room. No. It's not a feel, as, as a, <laughs> juxtaposed to uh, yeah. Spider-Man Far From Home, not a feel-good movie. Not a feel-good movie, a feel-bad really movie. At all. See uh, this before you see Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> and then, this is, if you need it, if you're, if you're feeling like, you know what, I'm, I'm too happy. Yeah. <laughs> You know, things are going too well for me right now. I would say... Uh, put not, on a time to kill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> put on a time to kill, like, in the morning when the sun's out. So then afterwards, you're kind of like, I need to go outside. and I need yeah. to enjoy something. Or f- nice cold ice cream or something. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm very glad. Thank you for giving it to me. That was, uh, that was a great movie. So I'm really glad I watched it. And hopefully now I can see other John Grisham movies like A Few Good Men. Is that? Uh, it could or be. was that the play written by, what's his face? Aaron Sorkin. Did Aaron Sorkin write that first as a play? I can't remember. Well, Runaway Jury though is uh, John Grisham movie. John Grisham, and that was the first first one. I was like, huh, book was better. <laughs> book was better than the movie. Wait a minute, did John Grisham do the movie with uh, Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones? Uh, the Fugitive? Yeah. No, that was based on a TV Grisham. show. That was a TV yeah. show in the sixties. Never mind. Yeah. Oh man, I got some research. I got you. Do. Have a lot of '90s catch up on Mike. As you can tell on this podcast, we don't do research before. No, yeah. yeah. Any research is done in the moment. Ten seconds after it should have been. I mean, done. your era is more of the '80s mall culture. Mall culture. When you grew up 80s. in the '80s, you know. You know, speaking of, and we don't do previews really on the show, but Stranger Things three really speaks to me as an '80s mall kid. Right, you know, right. You know, and just walk around how big malls were in my towns. How big it was for you? Yeah, growing and up in mall culture. Growing up in uh, mall town America, mall. USA. Uh, that was my hometown. Uh, no, very excited for. Uh, as of the time of this recording, Stranger Things three has not come out yet. Uh, by the time this podcast is released, probably on July fifth. Hopefully, we'll see if I get home and edit it in time. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Um, and it's out, so go check it out. But uh. Mike, you have anything else to add? No, thanks for having me on. Um, I'm glad you only watched 332 other movies before you finished Time to Kill um, and made podcasts about them. Yep. Um, but, yeah, no, I know, like, I can get you a gift, you know, another movie. I can have you finish it another 12 months or so. We can talk and be on I can be on then. It's like a cheese of the month club. Honestly. Right, yeah. yeah. Well, one movie... Uh, one movie every six, six months. months. Yeah, exactly. You know, even though I watch 700 movies a week, but it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I actually have the exact number of movies I've watched because Letterboxd keeps track of them. It was between the movie you gave me and uh, when I actually finished it, I believe the number was like 66 movies I had actually seen. Yeah, so it's like, you know, yeah. once I didn't have once every six months, it's like, well, you, know, like you know, as much as I go to the gym. You know, I can make a podcast about going to the gym every day, but actually going to the gym just once, a, once every six, six months, months. And, that'll probably do me well. Uh, well, 
I got around to it. No, no, I have no defense. <laughs> it was it was very long. But uh, yeah, no, I'm glad to see it. Well, Mike, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thanks Appreciate for having it. me. All right, we're gonna send it to Boyle and Assisto, who watched this movie last night, Spider-Man: Far From Home. Fellas, I have no idea how you start off the review, so take it away. Did you just put Nick Fury to voicemail? And it's the Boyle and DeSisto podcast this time because Rojas decided he was going to go see it tomorrow morning. We decided to go opening night because he went to Annabelle without us. So this is our payback. Thank you, Nick, for letting us do this. And we just saw Spider-Man Far From Home, which, in case you don't know what it's about, it's basically about Spider-Man is in high school, post-Endgame, suffering from Tony Stark and the loss. But again, the win that everyone was brought back. Now he is facing going on a school field trip where he wanted to put his past behind him where he doesn't have to have spider-man duties but this time is his duties come and find him mysterio as well as the um elementals come into a play into this and you will find out when you go see it i don't want to spoil anything but they find them in england where spider-man needs to choose between his friends or the world love that great intro uh, we're going to do a little fastest two minutes here as me and Nick are pressed for time, so we're just going to give a little You're going to love parking at, at the <laughs> Providence Place Mall. You are pressed for time. So, Rojas, when you're editing this, hit the NFL primetime music. Here we go, the fastest two minutes. Whoop! I love the visual effects in this movie. Uh, I love the visual effects as well, honestly. That was probably the best part of this movie. Honestly, the action scenes were up there with the Fast and the Furious kind of movements. Like, it, it was fast, first. but not too fast. Like, no. they let you see all the action that's happening yes. around it. And I think that at the beginning, I felt like a little like, okay, I feel like this could pick it up. But again, the scenes towards the end, as well as post-credit scenes, was perfect. Just what you needed to get a good movie out. Post-credits did throw a monkey wrench in there. That's all I'm going to say. No spoilers here. Next, character development. Spider-Man is, you know, he's in that awkward teen phase. I thought it was great how they developed his arc and how he's kind of struggling through those high school years. A little corny, but hey, it had to happen. And there was some humor that was forced in this one where I felt like other Marvel movies you don't get that the teacher's humor was kind of forced in this movie but you know it still had its cutesy fun humor with trying to keep his identity hidden and um, and the romance starting to come into play a little bit with him and MJ so that's always fun that's not a spoiler that's just a comic thing you need to know that I'm gonna not lie here and say I was laughing for the majority of that movie I thought the humor was great it was kind of like that um, you know, dumb. It threw a high joke in when it needed to. Yeah, dumb high schooly type humor. Yes. Which is great. Um, you know, I I liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, the uh, the villains in this movie perfect, and then stay till the all the way to the end of the credits. There's a couple uh, big turns at yeah. the end that you're not gonna want to miss. I love this movie. It's not my favorite Marvel movie, but this okay. is a huge step in the right direction yeah. to get ready for the next phase. I thought to this close. is the perfect way. To, to restart everything. Yeah, be people like, yep, question, like, thing. why are they doing this? And I was like, listen, just let's see, okay? Watch it and see. And I think that they did a good job ending this phase, but showing where they're going at the same point. Uh, we're not doing spoilers again. However, go see this in the theater on a Tuesday, I suggest. Save the extra couple bucks because there's some big hit, uh, hits coming out, such as Lion King in a few weeks and some others. We have big podcasts coming up. However, overall, Mark, what's your score? Ooh, is this going to get in the ratings? Uh, I'm going to give it four web shoots out of five. Ooh, so on a on our uh, Boyle and Ross podcast, Fisher Scale, which is out of popcorn kernels, what would you give it? Hmm. That's going to be... It's a 10 scale. It's going to be... Um, I'm going to go soft eight. Go! 
Me too. Okay, perfect. perfect. I was just thinking the same thing. I think that this is an 8 out of 10 popcorn kernels um, on our <laughs> Fisher scale. But if it was out of uh, the web slingers, as Mark put, which I loved, I do like a 4 out of 5. I might even lean towards a 3.5 out of 5. Soft, I enjoyed this soft. movie. Yeah, it's a soft. soft I mean, again, Michaela also thrown in there in the distance, a 7 out of 10. Yeah. I think that this movie is its good, it's enjoyable. I don't know if it's memorable, but the end scene is in the post. And but you can't judge a movie based uh, on a post credit scene. I didn't love and I did that in Captain Marvel, and I was let down. The end scenes threw me back down to a soft. I couldn't like you know I enjoyed it so much that I wouldn't feel comfortable not giving it the eight. But it was it barely got there. It kind of crawled to the eight um, because to me the the twist at the end it kind of threw me off. And I think the, the the twist at the end. The other good thing about that to mention is that. Everything about this movie is deception. And I'll leave it at that because that to me is exactly how I felt. And I'm like, what is real? You literally said that, Mark, as we left you. Like, what is real? And I'm like, I don't know because that was the ending is obviously a real ending. But you're just like, I can't believe this just happened. I can't believe out of all the chaos we saw, this is what happened. But I will say, and I just this is what the one thing I want to end on. Mysterio's illusion scene with Spider-Man is one of the greatest things I've seen so far this year. And that's not really a spoiler because you have to know that's what Mysterio does as a character. Um, But I'm not going to explain what happens or how it happens. But visually, this is up there with Spider-Verse last year. Mark, any closing comments? Ooh, I would also um, tap in. Make sure you see the the Spider-Verse if you haven't just because, like, these are the two new ones. I saw both. I'd give the edge to the Spider-Verse. I like Spider-Verse Fair. better, Fair. but this is also, you know, very good. They're different movies, obviously, but I'd see both. Good movie overall. Definitely looking towards next year. We have a long hiatus uh, with Marvel movies. And that's it, folks. Thanks for listening this time. And coming up soon is going to be Rojas either opening or closing this segment. He'll leave it up to him. And if this is the closing, sayonara. <laughs>